0: Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of More Like Him, a podcast about everyday moments with God. Today I am talking with my fabulous friend, Jeff McNabb. Jeff is a fabulously funny and friendly and kind and so generous man who we've had the privilege of knowing since we were at church with him and his wife, Megan, at Toon Anglican. Uh, Jeff uh, very quickly offered to be the manager of my dimples, because he thought they were fabulous and that's always been a great joy to have someone who appreciates these little potholes on my face. (laughs) He is also a wonderful friend to my husband and it's such a joy to see the way he cares for and nurtures my husband in a way that a friend can do and a wife sometimes cannot. He is a great teacher. He is a great observer. He's very funny. He loves St. George Dragons in the same way that my husband does. He also really loves reading and movies, and he loves having a laugh. He loves going for walks and appreciating all of God's creation. And he's such a thoughtful friend who, yeah, just doesn't cease to take opportunities to show love and care for those around him. So thank you for being here, Jeff. It's a pleasure. Oh, and I didn't mention you love the Beatles. That's very yeah, important.
1: He, he didn't mention my obsession with music.
0: Oh, sorry. He does have an obsession with music. That is true. And it's beautiful. Jeff has become, and Megan have become uh, pseudo grandparents to our children. And it's just a real treasure. My kids know and love these two people so much. And they know when they wear the Beatles t shirt, it's their Jeff shirt because Jeff is the Beatles man. <laughs> it's great. So Jeff, we could keep talking about all the ways that we love you and all the things we share in common, but we're here to be able to share part of your journey in your relationship with God. So can you start with how did you actually come to know who Jesus was?
1: So um, my mother had been a uh, faithful Christian, can we say, in um, um, previous times when there were no such things as Bible studies. She Mm -hmm. had maintained a Christian faith. Uh, during her time in service in World War II. Um, she married a husband who wasn't a Christian and she faithfully became a member of the local Anglican church. And um, so my sister and I were both baptised the local Anglican church. I went through Sunday school, looking back in very rich times with lots of children attending where I heard the gospel. But it wasn't really until I got to my teenage years and I'd stopped going to church. Hmm. I had really struggled with the whole idea of being a good person. And that was the overwhelming message I was getting from uh, my church. That was very difficult as a teenager. I returned to church and found myself in a fellowship group. There was a lot of love and joy. Hmm. And I had to somehow come to terms with what that meant. And there was a particular leader there, just a bit older than me, a guy called Greg Haynes, who portrayed joy and I looked at him and some others said, I want that. Mm. And then I realised in the end that it actually wasn't about being a good boy. And I, I really struggle with that today and, and making sure I tell uh, children especially that it's not about that, that it was actually about having a relationship with God. Where he actually forgave you and that gave me a peace and that made a huge difference to my life when I actually understood that.
0: Absolutely, because certainly as young children we're taught to be good, we're taught to listen to our parents and obey them, but that same concept, it can't translate through to our faith because it's not about works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's especially difficult in teenage years when you are uh, really valuing friendships and being a good person actually excludes you.
0: Mm. And there's
1: nothing worse as a teenager than being excluded and somehow you've got to work out what a faith looks like in that situation.
0: So what was the thing in that process then that needed to change in you for you to live as a Christian?
1: I needed to put away, I think, the profound message that I'd received about being a good boy.
0: Yeah.
1: And I needed to understand there was a God out there who actually forgave me and the word grace, and that word grace has come through time and time again when I've seen God be gracious to people. I'm in a church at the moment where one of the phrases I hear a lot is, God is the God of second chances. Mm. And no matter how many times you stuff up, he's there. I I see that again and again.
0: That's amazing. It's a great phrase. God is a God. It's a great phrase, isn't it? It is. It really is. Okay, so how has this change then affected your life as a whole? As you've come to understand grace and Yeah, not needing to pursue being good.
1: Yeah. So the next profound step for me was coming under the ministry of Libri. I was in an Anglican church where I heard uh, passages preached every Sunday, but that wasn't really enough. Mm. And in my um, late teens, early 20s, my sister was quite interested in Libri. She had gone to Swiss Libri. And I started reading books by Francis Schaefer and Jerome Bars, and other people associated with LaVrie. And I was actually studying science at the time, and I needed to find some sort of a parallel universe between being a Christian and seeing the world for what it was. I had all these facts and things put in front of me and I had the wonder of the human body. And how does this all come about? I had to find a way of putting my jigsaw together for my adult life I did a lot of reading. I went overseas and I travelled for eight months, and part of that time I had a month at English Library, where I saw uh, a Christian community that wanted to think about the Bible rather than just preach it. It spoke about it, pulled it apart. It was a place where I've said to many people, if your faith is a wall, it gives you a place to take the wall apart like blood block mm-hmm. and put it back together again to um, in safety that gives you a profound foundation for how you view the world. And in one sense, they saved me from being a boring Christian. <laughs> they g- gave me a, to see beauty. They, I, I've always had a very strong artistic bent, and I, I wondered what that was all about. And I sort of had permission from them in, against the voices of the conservative church that that had value. And that was mm-hmm. really important for me because I was pursuing art very strongly, and actually came back and did a graphic design course as a result of the influence they had upon me. That opened up a door for me that had been sitting there for a long time. That was very important. Yeah.
0: Now I'm not actually familiar with the ministry you're talking about, Le Brie.
1: Yeah. So it started by Francis Schaeffer, who went to Europe as an American after World War II as a missionary, and in the end he set up a community in Switzerland. That was a faith-based community. In other words, they were supported not by themselves but others where Mm -hmm. people could actually come and sit and talk about the gospel they became living communities in other words you came there and lived and slept and ate with these leaders and you could stay as long as you want you didn't have to pay but the bottom line was you did but they allowed people to come and explore christian faith in a very open unreligious way Can I put it that way That Mm -hmm. then spread to uh, England, it spread to America. The Shavers actually went eventually and lived in America and uh, there are still the branches. I'm not associated with them anymore, but that's not that I don't um, follow the things that they believe. But there was a word that came to me that's in uh, Genesis called nefesh, which is a Jewish word that means the unity of body and soul. Mm -hmm. And it it means sometimes Christians who live spiritually but we, in a sense, we sometimes we have real struggle with what we do with this body. What do we do with the things that we love doing? Does it make sense? And nefesh is the word that basically says you are one, and your body and your spirit are one, and that gives a profound. Whatever God's gifted you, you go and do that, and that's the way you bless others. And the way God has blessed you, so it allows for your individuality as a Christian. Mm. I'm not very good at conforming. <laughs> uh, I'm not very good at being straight down the line. I like to zigzag and that can create problems, particularly in a conservative church. And so I've had to live with that as front and centre in my uh, view of life to help me to maintain my uh, strength as a person.
0: Wow. I mean, I I feel like I need to say to you, Jeff, not many of us are good at conforming. Some of us do it, I think, out of comfort Because, you know, we don't like to create ripples. But all of us have been created individually and it is really important that we get to that place where we can value and cherish the way that God's made us individually. Correct. Correct. And to use those gifts for the good of the whole church. Correct. Yeah. How have you seen God work through uh, this particular part of your life and use you as you've gone through your life?
1: I've rubbed shoulders with non-Christians. Mm. I've had the joy of talking to people about passions. It's created a link to the outside world. I'll just say sometimes churches and Christians are very good at communing with themselves Mm. and we have to learn to speak into our world. And so it gave me opportunities to uh, a hobby became a business with my art where I have very passionate about screen printing and I started a business where I was selling T-shirts back in the 80s where you had stuff all over your
0: T-shirts. Amazing. Which
1: I, I, I've been told now by the younger generation they're called loud T-shirts, <laughs> right? And I continue to wear loud T-shirts. Indeed. So uh, I'm a bit, bit of a bit of a rebel there. It's about speaking into the world, and that's one of those things Schaefer finds very strongly. You speak into the world with logic and with a faith, and those two uh, should be as one.
0: That's amazing. I think you're right because often I feel like I don't think anyone says it, but I think we adopt this attitude maybe without realizing that any time we don't spend with Christians and in the Word is almost a wasted opportunity, whereas I think we all believe that the opposite is true, that we need to be cultivating relationships with those who don't know Jesus yet. And that means yeah. going out and doing things other than being at church and other than being in Christian community for the sake That's of right. other people hearing the good news.
1: So as you would know that I'm now living in Narrawali, I hadn't played golf for 20 years and I now find myself having played golf initially with some men from church. I'm actually playing uh, golf with two non-Christian men. And they have very inter- They have very interesting stories. Mm. And we walk the fields of green, can I call them, Um, Mm. twice a week and spend time with each other and I couldn't do that in any other way with with non-Christian men and we just walk shoulder to shoulder and share lives together and our bad shots together and our good shots together and it's a way of actually getting to know I I see that as a a ministry they don't know that they don't know that I pray for them they don't know whatever reason God's put us together but I'm there to walk that course with them because I know that that's really important yeah
0: Yeah, we were talking uh, this week. I was at my staff team retreat and there was a moment where we were talking about the difference between men and their valuable relationships and how they relate to each other and women. And the thing that we were talking about in relation to men is they need parallel time. So they need to be doing something and talking to each other, not just sitting down at a coffee table and having intense conversation.
1: Yes, Men men can be very good at dominating conversations with very boring details.
0: <laughs> and it relaxes when you're doing something. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah. Also, one of the gentlemen I play with, we now have a common uh, life in that we can actually laugh about the same thing together. And oh, that's that was there was a very interesting moment. We actually went out to the club together, my wife and I, and his wife and I, and we had something common to laugh about. And that was a very interesting moment for us.
0: That's great. Yeah, those common moments are very important.
1: Yeah, so I don't know where that's going to go, but I know that I'm supposed to be there and I'm not playing golf with Christian men, I'm playing golf with non-Christian men, yeah.
0: Yeah, which doesn't mean you can't play with Christian men, but it's important that you take that opportunity. I
1: actually actually said that I I actually need to do that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. Jeff, what's your greatest joy in being a Christian?
1: Oh, seeing... I I would say right now it actually is teaching SRE. Mm. Um, My mum imbued in me a real passion for looking after the children and I didn't have that in me. The seed was sowed, but that didn't really come to life until I became a teacher, uh, which was when I was uh, in my early 40s and something came alive and I go back and see my mum's joy In looking after and and being with children, making them laugh, Mm. and a part of me uh, that had been dormant came to life and is still with me today. And I see that as um, that ministry. So I was a teacher, as you know, for uh, twenty years, Mm. and I started picked up SRE uh, scripture teaching uh, three years ago once I finished full time work. And I I love working with children. How God's wired me. You know, had you said to me when I was 25, you're going to work with kids? I'd say, no, I'm not. And then he said, are you going to be a teacher? I said, no, I'm not going to be a teacher. Through a series of events, a part of me that was wired for that, he said, now it's time. Mm. And um, the greatest joy is actually walking into my local public school and teaching U5 to SRE and seeing their questions and seeing their faces and interacting with them. Yeah. Mm,
0: that's amazing. Do you have a favorite verse or phrase that you uh, carry with you in good times and bad?
1: All right. So, when I um, left my first school, they gave me a, um, one of the parents gave me something, and I've got it actually on my desk canvas holding. It said, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I don't necessarily have that on my mind all the time, but that's been sitting with me since it was given to me. Mm. And then as I said, we've come down here in our wally, moved away from full-time work, and I was doing a Bible study four months before we left. And the Bible study was four years old by Scripture Union called Encounter with God, and it was about Joshua. And the phrases were, you're going to a new land, you're leaving your old home, and you're going to have to be strong and courageous. And I said to Megan, we're going. Yeah. And it was interesting that he knew all that time when that thing was written four years ago, and I read it four years later, but he knew exactly what was going on.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's so incredibly profound, those moments where you see God pull some of the strings together, and he shows you, in his kindness, a glimpse of what he's been doing the whole time.
1: Yes. For, for us to move from Sydney to Narrawaloole, there are a thousand strings. Oh. And even when we came to Mar- Narrawaloole, Um, There are a thousand strings for us as we're building a new home to see him as being the God of details. Mm. And sometimes I'm in awe of that. Sometimes I take it for granted. Other times, you know, you, you stress and worry. But we've had this profound journey of moving from one community to another and we've fallen on our feet and that's to do with God.
0: Yeah. If you were going to give one piece of encouragement to someone who doesn't know Jesus, what would it be?
1: So I'm teaching um, Genesis at the moment in SRE and I love teaching it because it, it says to a non-Christian, look around, look at the designs in the world. Yeah. We are not an accident, we're a design. Mm. Look for the creator and then keep on looking. That's what I'd say because, uh, you know, Roman says we are, it's the word, we're without excuse mm. because by what we see, we are convicted that there's a creator
0: behind all of this. Mm. Um, That's what I'd say. That's a great piece of advice. I think that's really helpful. How would you say that God has been working in you to make you more like him?
1: Wow. The whole journey of moving from Sydney to, to where we are now has been about that. My wife and I have both been tested incredibly with being patient, with trusting him. We've had moments of explosions where we've been very angry, and we've learned a lot about what it means to be in the middle of a storm and to seek Him in the middle of that storm. Mm. Um, and in that process, He's taken us to meet other people. And we've heard other stories about the way God deals with people in their lives that come to a Holy Brain community and start it again, which you know about yourself. Okay. And it's when you touch lives with other people people and you see God at work I think the most encouraging thing for me is seeing God at work in other people's lives and hearing their own testimony that's profound
0: it is profound you're right and especially in those moments where you know that you're being really stretched in your ability to show patience and grace and to keep trusting God is in control and he's got it and this is going to be good it's so encouraging to to other Christians yeah it
1: is absolutely, absolutely absolutely
0: yeah, And, you know, through all of that, isn't it amazing that you can sit there and say that you and Megan are happily confident that this is where God wants you right now? Yeah.
1: yeah. And we, we, no turning back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. turning back. And you can see how God's pulled the strings together. You can yeah. see how he's leading you in new ministries like golf. You're picking up again. Like, I don't think you knew that that was going to be something you'd take up again.
1: Uh, I had golf clubs in my garage for over 20 years because i played other sports, Bought them with me, and Megan said, what are you doing that for? And um, not only am I playing golf, but I have new golf clubs too, so that's very nice. Still playing terribly (laughs) badly at times, but uh, no, there's a reason for me to be there on the golf course.
0: Yeah. Well, if you're listening now, I hope you can think about some ways that maybe before you haven't considered how God might be using it for his bigger picture plans for his creation and his people. Maybe there's something you've been not kind of giving yourself space to do and lean into, a creative pursuit or something that you're really passionate about. And having listened to Jeff's testimony of how God's used it in his life, maybe you're feeling like it might be something you're ready and keen to get back into and just see how God will use it. That's certainly been my encouragement listening to you, Jeff, has been to lean into the way that God has made you as an individual, to trust that he'll use it and just to, yeah, just take steps of faith and see what God will do with it.
1: The other thing I would say is God is a God of seasons part of my journey out of a career that I wasn't enjoying into the career that became teaching, a 10-year wait. And -hmm. I've said to people, God can be a God of decades. And for us, that's like, oh, no, no, not waiting 10 years to get an answer to this prayer. Yeah. But when you're as old as I am, having seen the dinosaurs on black and white TV, um, (laughs) you can talk about God being the God of decades, Yeah. but we're not very good as Westerners with waiting for that period of time. Hmm. But I look back and see that God was dealing with me over many, many years, preparing me for the ministry of teaching in ways that I didn't know.
0: I'm sure we can all think of something that we used to do and enjoy, but we just don't have space for it in our life at the moment. And Correct. who knows? It could be something that God will bring us an opportunity to do again. That's and, right. Um, I'm really encouraged to think that, yeah, that could be something that God could be orchestrating. In fact, he will be orchestrating in his beautiful weaving of our lives and how he positions us for such a time as this. It's that Esther thing, isn't it? For such a time as this, I have brought you here. Those
1: those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And why you meet those people in those places. Francis Shaver had a lovely phrase and he said, no little people and no little places.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me this morning, Jeff. It's okay. Yeah, I've so appreciated an insight into more of your Christian journey. And I feel very privileged to be able to continue to learn from you and with you. I hope that as you've been listening today, that you've been encouraged to um, and learned some things, gained some insights, I'm sure, into a very interesting and very not boring man's life. I pray that you can see how God might be pulling threads together for you as well. And if you're not in a season where he's pulling things together, then I pray that you can be encouraged by the way you can see how God has done that for others. And you can hold strong in the truth that God will do it for you too. And i allowed add say one more thing. Of course. Jump in, Jeff.
1: Right. You don't do a journey on your own. And there are lots of people, including my wife, have been involved in prompting me to do things. Uh, People, for example, prompting me to change schools and teaching, which was something I would never have done. And you don't live outside of a community. You Mm -hmm. don't uh, fly solo. You do fly solo, but you fly solo with other people around you. Absolutely. Um, so the, the the community, Christian community and a Christian partner, for those that have them, they're part of that journey with you and often give you advice for choices and steps that you make.
0: Couldn't have said it better. Cool. Well, until next time, take care.